What's up, everyone, and welcome to part three of episode nine of VGM Generations. With me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk. Hi. And Jordan Blinsky. Hi. <laughs> and we are talking about creepy, spooky Halloween music. And uh, it is Aaron's turn to go first. All right. Let's jump right in then. Um, and I won't talk about Monkey Allen for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so my game is a series that we've already covered. And I mentioned it might come up again, but... Back to Castlevania. And we're... Oh, let, let, me, let, me, let me think back. Your Castlevania was three. Three. Famicom. Yeah, Famicom yeah. version. So we're jumping way ahead in the series. This is uh, all the way to the distant year after that of 2006 when Konami released... Um, yeah, I, was, I wasn't a baby then. <laughs> you weren't a baby then in 2006. You could have actually played this game when I, it came out new. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, this game was not the first... Castlevania game for the DS, um, and it wasn't the last. Uh, but there was, I think, the Castlevania series kind of went through a little bit of a renaissance during that time. The, uh, you know, it, it, it was following the um, Symphony of the Night um, sort of mold that they had on the PlayStation. Yeah, when that game came out, it changed the formula, and it was like every game that came out after Symphony was like was Symphony like Symphony version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was good. It was oh the yeah, Metroidvania nothing, style. Nothing right? wrong with that at all. But it definitely changed the system a little bit. And this game, uh, Portrait of Ruin, was uh, had a really cool system. It was actually the first Castlevania game that had a cooperative multiplayer mode in it. The previous game actually had multiplayer in it in a more competitive way, but this had a cooperative boss rush mode where you and another person could actually take on this like timed boss, how many bosses can you get through kind of mode. And it was really fun. I actually had a lot of fun playing that. Uh, you would link the two DSs together and play off in your Wi-Fi. screens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, Ad hoc. Ad yeah. hoc networking. Yeah, yep. yeah exactly. Okay. That was one of the greatest features of the uh, DS. And that's <laughs> what allowed like the game sharing and stuff with the single cartridge. Cool. And uh, so this um, soundtrack for the game was composed by Michiru Yamane and Yuzo Kushiro. And uh, I found out that this composer has also composed the music for another Konami game that I've praised in the past, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Fall of a Foot Clan on the Game Boy. Hey, you love that game. I love that game. It was the game that had the best translation of the cartoon series theme song ever. We used that music as the outro for the podcast. You mentioned it. <laughs> awesome. So, and this composer is a longtime Konami um, composer, did a lot of the Castlevania soundtracks, including Symphony of the Night, actually. And in 2006, when this game came out, uh, it was Castlevania's 20th anniversary, which makes this, 2016, the Castlevania's 30th. 30th. Uh, 30. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, no, <laughs> 30th anniversary of the series. That's yeah, really cool. That is that's a big huge. Deal. That's so a long time for a series to stick around. Yeah, and that's awesome. So, you know, it's okay that we're covering two Castlevania games yeah. because because it stood the test of time. stood the test of time. Happy birthday, Castlevania. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, with Portrait of Ruin, it had a really cool pre-order bonus that when you pre-ordered it, and I didn't pre-order it, but I just got lucky. I had bought it, and then I went into the local EB, and I just said, oh, I bought this game. I didn't pre-order it, but there was this pre-order bonus. Do you, you have any left? Do you have any left? And they did, and they gave me one, oh, and that is like the happy best days, thing happy days. that EB <laughs> has ever done for me, ever. <laughs> and so the pre-order bonus was great. Like for, for a free bonus with this game, it was a, a box that was sealed shut with a wax seal of Dracula. So it was like an upside down bat or something. That's crazy because he's usually busy filming movies. I mean, yeah. It's great he had time to do He had do time that to actually individually coffee. seal each of these with his little wax seal. I see I him holding that. the wax over the candle and then <laughs> yeah, putting it on there. It. Yeah. It's cool. Is that the same candles that Simon Belmont would break too. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. <laughs> he's got a lot of bro he's got a lot of spare wax yeah. hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, box had in it, it had like a timeline like a character compendium, an art book, uh, a DS game case that was intended to hold both um, Portrait of Ruin and the game that came before it, which I believe was Dawn of Sorrow. So there was a slot for each of those. The game case had said Castlevania on it. It also had one of the, I thought one of the best things was a extendable stylus for the DS. So a little white stylus that said yeah. Castlevania on it and it extended out to be double its length. So you could for hold anyone like without a, baby hands. Exactly. So yeah. you could just, hold it like a real pencil. It was, just like the whip, right? Just like the whip. <laughs> just like the vampire killer whip. Exactly. Very <laughs> cool. And you have all of that stuff? I have all of that stuff and I oh. love all that stuff. And the other thing that it came with was a 20th anniversary soundtrack compilation where they actually did a really good remixing and sort of remastering of all of the 
like some of the best hits, the iconic, highlights, yeah. iconic, all the way back to the original Castlevania. Very cool. So, and yeah. it's a great, great that, soundtrack. That's, those are my favorite pre-order bonuses. It's, oh, yeah. you know, video game music is obviously <laughs> all three of our that's, passions and, and any disc like that, like the Zelda one, the 25th. I was going to say, that's how you do an anniversary special. Yes. Yeah. Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And this was for a DS game. Well, yeah, totally. Metroid yeah. just turned 30. But for a giant. Yeah. Franchise. Oh yeah. A giant franchise. But Metroid is a giant franchise. Turned, Let's yep. take this opportunity to rag on Metroid. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> what what the hell? Yeah. yeah they, Metroid turned 30 like a couple of weeks ago. And With no nothing. fanfare. No fanfare. Oh, wait, yeah. We tweet, got, uh, we, we got Federation Force. <laughs> oh, Thanks. Yeah. But to be fair, it is the 30th anniversary of Castlevania this year. And what is Konami doing about Castlevania? Nothing. Pachinko machines. God well, knows what Konami's doing. Yeah. These days. Yeah, they've they've ruined it. They kind of dropped the ball, but they did good on the twentieth. <laughs> they did really <laughs> so good. We'll, on give the a, we'll give them a little bit of a pass. And sure. as we talked about previous uh, Castlevania games, this one actually, I wish I'd written down the uh, names, but it act, doesn't star the Belmont clan. It actually stars um, uh, two characters named Jonathan and Charlotte, and one of them is Lacard is their last name. I don't know if uh, if yeah, I think I think when I was uh, one of our last episodes when I covered it, I think that's what I was referring to that. That, that family, name, line, that, family. That, that bloodline is possibly the one from yeah. the original Dracula literature. Yeah. So the story behind uh, um, these these two characters, um, I can't remember what I said. It's like Justin and Charlotte. <laughs> that wasn't Charlotte. That wasn't. It was Charlotte John, Jonathan? and Summer, Jonathan. Jonathan yeah. and Charlotte. I'll just keep <laughs> throwing out names. Ago. Yeah, short, I don't short remember. Memory loss. <laughs> I didn't write this stuff down. And it's you know to be fair, I haven't actually played this game since it came out in two thousand six. I got it. On day one. So 10 years. So it's been a long time. But you had played as both of these characters and you would swap back and forth between them on the fly. And the idea is that um, Jonathan is actually, he, this is a direct sequel to Castlevania Bloodlines, which I never actually played. Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis, the Bloodlines game. So um, his father has died and has in, in that game and has passed on the vampire killer whip from the Belmont clan to Jonathan. But he can't use its full potential because he's not a Belmont. But this, oh. this um, Charlotte character who is descended from this other legendary family in the Castlevania thing can unlock his full potential and he can, you know... They got to light some candles. Light some candles, yeah. Go off behind the... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> behind the clock. It, it fades to black. Unlock yeah. his potential. It, it fades to black and when he comes back, he seems invigorated. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the vampire killer is at its full length. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. There we go. <laughs> that one caught me off guard. <laughs> All right, so... The track from Portugal. Back to Ruins. music. Back to music. <laughs> um, the way this works, and I know we mentioned in the previous episode that you're in Dracula's castle and you're kind of locked in Dracula's castle. That's the way it always works. But the story behind this is that there's a new threat, this new vampire who is trying, it takes place during 1944, during the war, and this new vampire is trying to uh, siphon off the power of the dead killed in the world war, in World War II, Ooh, to build his own power to basically do what Dracula couldn't do, to sort of overthrow him and, and become, you know, wipe out humanity is his ultimate sort of thing. So, and he's based on Bronner, I think his name is. He's actually based on a real world artist also named Bronner. And in the game, he's an artist vampire who paints these paintings, which are like portals to other dimensions. So even though when you're in Dracula's castle, like Mario 64, you enter these paintings and it gives you the opportunity to, you know, enter ice world, enter, you know, that various so worlds. Cool. Desert world. <laughs> oh man, this is like, I've played, I, I can't say that I played like a ton of the Castlevania games. I've played a share, but of all of them, Portrait of Ruin is probably my favorite. It just sort of it had a great story. It had great characters. The mechanics were really good. And then being able to go to these other worlds inside these paintings. So the title actually has meaning. Yes. Portrait of Ruin because of you're Ruin. jumping into the portraits. That's right. Very cool. And uh, so there's one point where you jump to a portrait and you go to the sand level because what, what game doesn't have a great sand level? Yeah, that's Mario. Uh, <laughs> and, and you go to this world and you're fighting monsters. So obviously you're fighting giant sphinxes and mummies and, you know, anything. Does, that's the, sun, of, does the sun get angry and chase you? <laughs> I don't remember that happening, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's Castlevania, so they'll throw anything at you. Yeah. And uh, so you go in this painting and you're doing, fighting like these Egyptian-themed stuff. And I picked the track from that area and it's called Hail from the Past. And uh, this game was really actually praised for its music as well. It was one of the things that really stood out about this game. So without further ado, Hail from the Past from Castlevania Portrait of Ruin.
after you beat the game and get the true ending, because like a lot of great games, there's a bad ending and a good ending. The bad ending is if you let Bronner get away. There's a point where he can actually escape in the game, and you can beat Dracula, but it's not the true ending. Mm. You have to actually kill him and kill Dracula and kill Death, because Death is a common enemy in uh, the Dracula games, as, as the Castlevania games as well. Yeah. And then you get the true ending. Once you get the true ending, you actually get to, you unlock more modes. One where you get to actually play as Bronner's adopted daughters, because here's some more backstory. Bronner had two daughters who died in, in World War One. The artist? Like yeah, the real person? Not the real person. Okay, the one just in the, in the game story. Okay. Had two daughters that died during World War One. In, in real life, so Bronner's was, daughters turned into werewolves. <laughs> yeah. And so he was super, he was super angry. Yeah. So the daughters, there's these two sort of other twins who are also vampires who he calls his daughters, but they're not really his daughters. They're actually the daughters of the guy who was formerly trying to kill him. Like, so one of the people from Bloodlines, from the lore, who was trying to kill Bronner was, he, he killed him and basically as revenge, transformed his two daughters into vampires. And then he sort of like, Took them adopted under his them. wing, adopted them. That's cool. Ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> it is. It is super creepy. And what's great is that after you beat the game, the true ending, you actually get to play as these two daughters in sort of a prequel to the game. It unlocks this whole section where you basically play their roles, leading up to the point where you meet the pr- protagonists. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and then on top of that, there's another mode where you get to play as Richter Belmont through the game, and then there's another mode where you get to play as Old Axe Armor which is actually a common enemy from the Castlevania series. Usually just a suit of armor that, you know, throws, throws axes, axes, yeah, yeah. Throws axes at like you. Like the, the boomerang axe yeah, guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you beat them and the armor collapses. You actually can play as that character. Wow. Oh, wow. And, so and, there's a deep, there's a lot of replayability yeah. in this game. Oh, it's a fantastic game. And just researching it, I actually watched a Let's Play of uh, this level where this music actually appears, this Hail to the Past, the desert one, just to kind of get it back in my head about how the gameplay worked and how the game actually was. And I wanted to play this game so badly. Like, I think I may actually go back. And since I probably got the good ending on it, maybe yeah. I'll start again and st- play as Richter or play as the old well, Axe I was going to ask, <laughs> yeah. because you play as Richter, who is a Belmont, does the story change because he it doesn't does. need to unlock his potential? Exactly. He doesn't need to unlock his potential. The story does change, and he has access to the Vampire Killer Whip from the beginning. So it's not just a rehash with a new character. Exactly. That's, that's really neat. It actually worked into the story elements. I don't know if they like changed the story or cut out story elements, but Mm -hmm. you basically have all the powers. You don't have to worry about it. So you're powered up Metroid right from the start. Yeah. (laughs) It's on my list now. Oh yeah. I got to get it. I will, I will lend it to you if you like. I'm a big fan of Portrait of Ruin. I think I'll, I think I'm going to go back and play it again. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, It's my turn. So this is the, so I mentioned I'm triple dipping this time. So I did Mario World, I did Pokemon, which I've done before, and now I'm doing Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time again. Sticking your whole face in the dip. <laughs> That's right. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what else could it be for the creepy Halloween episode other than the Shadow Temple? Um, you know, go through all the regular stuff. Nintendo, Nintendo, developed, published. Uh, <laughs> horrible, 1998. Horrible, so, lazy, cozy con- Koji Kondo. Horrible, yeah, lazy, yeah. Koji Kondo, yeah. It just reuses the same themes over yeah. and over. <laughs> Write something new, Koji Kondo. The greatest, <laughs> arguably the greatest composer of all time. <laughs> totally. Um, actually, uh, something I didn't realize when I was going through this, Pokemon Red and Blue and Ocarina of Time came out in the same year. What? Yeah. Isn't that bananas? Yeah, I guess we were blessed that year. Yeah, that was a good year. Um... So undeniably the creepiest level in Ocarina of Time, no question. Uh, so just to go through all the super creepy enemies. So we have the re-dead like zombies. Mm. We they have would jump the, on you and gnaw on your head. Yeah, and you. like the sound they made was that horrible. Scream. Yeah, yeah. they do that like and blood. They would, and they would scream. look at you and you would freeze. Yeah. 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 And then they would do that really unsettling reverse oh. reach around. <laughs> Yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> bear hug thing. Yeah. <laughs> Leaves you violated. <laughs> <laughs> they were a scary enemy. Yeah. And we've got the Gibdos. So like the, the mummies. Yeah. Uh, Classic enemy all the way from back from the original Legend of Zelda. Yep. Um, the Stalfos, which are the skeletons, skeletons yep. with the armor. Uh, Skullytel all over the place. Um, the keys, which were the bats, keys yeah. for the bats, the like likes, which are those are really creepy too because well, the, they like basically the jelly devour you, they devour yeah. you and steal your shield. Yeah, yeah, like likes also from the you know, like keys, like likes, Stalfos, like, yeah, these are all the classic, original, classic, classic the original villains, yeah. And then 
the super creepy wall masters, yeah. the giant hand that like you see the shadow and then it drops down now, and picks you up and brings you back to the beginning of the level. Yeah. Yeah. Now so, I was going to say, um, because Aaron, you're more familiar with, uh, Zelda two, uh, those weren't in that game, were they? No, actually, um, key, keys were like the bats were, but I actually think they had a different name. So okay. when, so, the, when they got to, uh, Zelda two, I think they, did a little bit of remix. They uh, had a lot of the same enemies, like the uh, the bit and bot like enemies. You know the little gels. I can't remember what they're called. So they had a lot of similar enemies. The they looked like chocolate chips. Chews? They were chews. Yeah, but they had different names. So a lot of times it was like the same enemy, yeah. but it just was a different a new name. name. And so th- things like Zelda did appear like pea hats. I think were a common enemy that okay. was from the original but I do, as well. I think Wall Masters appeared. They were in was the first. Like the well, they no, were. No, oh, were Wallmasters were in the original, original oh, okay. Legend of Zelda. Oh, my bad. Okay. I thought they were new because they were such a good 3D mechanic. I yeah. thought maybe they appeared there. Well, I don't remember if they worked the same as they did in Ocarina of Time, but um, in the original, if you were grabbed by a Wallmaster, it would take you back to the beginning, the entrance of the dungeon. Yeah, it's the same. Yes. Yeah, and Ocarina. So, um, the bottom of the well when you're young um, is the same, actually, the same music as the Shadow Temple, and that area is also very creepy. Um, so to beat the level, um, you need the you need three things. You need the lens of truth, the hover and iron boot, the hover boots and the iron boots. So without those three things, this level is impossible. Um, you, apparently, you can do it without the lens of truth. I was gonna say, you, yeah, 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 you really, really need totally memorize yeah, it. Yeah, it's so, tough. but I uh, there's a I found a good quote. The the bird statue uh, tells you how important the lens is. It says, "Make my beak face the skull of truth." An alternative route is a descent into darkness. Nice. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, start into the music with that quote. talk about the creepiest villain yeah. in the entire Zelda series. Did oh, we find sorry? the name of that guy? Did we look that up? Dead Hand. Dead Hand. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Aptly named. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, the old Dead Hand. So, yeah. Come up and grab you and and it was like this. Hell out. Yeah, it had this texture on it. It was like white and sort of mottled with splotches of yeah, red. Yeah, it looked and like gray a, and it like looked a like corpse. Beetlejuice arms because <laughs> yeah. it had these long red fingernails. Yeah, with these like little red stripes painted on its like pale white skin. Yeah, mm-hmm. very creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Yeah, I was actually uh, talking to my my girlfriend as I mentioned last time when I talked about uh, Ocarina of Time. Uh, is a huge fan of that game. Like knows it top to bottom, front to back. And she said that this, like the first time she played through it, this was the one, the temple that she had the hardest time getting through because it creeped her out so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so very creepy indeed. Uh, Jordan, on to you, buddy. On to me. All right. Um, I'm going to jump back to 1995 or I guess jump forward depending on, yeah, wh- whatever. Back, jump back. <laughs> We're jumping through time <laughs> in random directions. Too here. many generations in this video game generations. No more generations. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm going back to Japan again, um, because they tend to do horror in a very different style than what we're used to here in North America. Um, start by talking about the developer, um, a company called human entertainment. 
Um, they're not around anymore. They're known by a different name that I'm, I'm not going to get into right now. But That's a pretty generic name. Human <laughs> entertainment. Entertainment for humans. Do you want to know what they're called now? What are they called now? Nude maker. <laughs> Jesus, really? They went yeah. from one extreme to the, to the other. I didn't look into what they make now. <laughs> I stayed away from that because I was not safe for strictly work. Researching, <laughs> <you're at> work. <laughs> <laughs> strictly researching some of their games from the eighties and nineties, but, uh, human entertainment, I think one of their better well-known games that we've even talked about in this podcast before was a title on the Nintendo, uh, called monster party. Hooray. Yay, monster <laughs> party. Good really, Halloween game. It's a good Halloween game. That's hard as hell and don't play it because it's hard. It, you know what? I, I just want to briefly mention Monster Party because it's not the game I'm talking about, but check it out. It's a fun N- Nintendo Famicom title um, from the 80s and um, Halloween themed, definitely a little spooky. Actually really creepy if you play the Famicom version because the North American, um, possibly European version they turned um, a lot of the the gore into like green slime. And of course the Japanese version is just covered in blood and guts. As was very common with uh, Japanese Mm -hmm. ported to North America. But another game that Human Entertainment came out with, as I said, back in 1995, um, maybe a cult classic, uh, possibly a pioneer. Stop leaving us in suspense, man. What is it? (laughs) What's it called? Pioneer of the survival horror genre. (gasps) Sorry, what year was that? 1995. Oh, I'm going to get you. I'm not saying it's <laughs> the pioneers. One of, one of the, the grandfathers of the genre. And the title of the game is called Clock Tower. Ooh. Which, you know, maybe some people have heard of the Clock Tower series because it's actually, there's been tons of sequels and remakes. Um, the original uh, came out on the Super Famicom, the PS1, and the Wonder Swan. Now, what the hell is the Wonder Swan? Why'd you have to ask me that? <laughs> you don't I, know? No, I, 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 I'm somewhat familiar, but not enough that I'm going to talk about All it. I know is that the Wonder Swan it's had one games on it that consoles. I wanted. Like it was the first one that got like a Final Fantasy one remake on it. And it got a lot of, it got a lot of cool remakes and stuff like that, that just never got ported to other things. Whole, Do you know who made it? Was Wonder it like Philip? <laughs> Was it like Phillips or some? I don't even know. Okay, very good. Okay, we'll gloss over. I have no notes on the Wonder Swan. Um, so, anyways, uh, the 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 basics. It's a it's a point and click uh, survival horror game. So I'm not really big into point and click games, but this one really drew to me because of the the creepy um, horror genre um, and the story. Uh, you play a girl named Jennifer who's an orphan, and her entire orphanage had just been adopted by. A uh, mysterious person who owns a mansion in the middle of the forest. <laughs> so Jennifer, the game, the Spencer game, mansion. the the game starts with some of the best pixel art I've ever seen. Like if you go for like photo realism on a 16 bit pixel, like graphic image, like that's what this is. It's almost like they just took photos and they traced over them with pixels. It's hmm. perfect. Um, so you play, so Jennifer and all of her adopted sisters, they all wander through the forest. They're guided to the mansion to meet their new, their new father, their new family. Um, and as your, as your, uh, adoption guide sort of goes off to, to find the, the mansion owner, um, she just doesn't come back. And then it's suggested that maybe you go look for her and find where everybody (laughs) is. How about we all go together? So Jennifer, no. Jennifer goes <laughs> <Never>. off. <laughs> the game actually starts at this point. You walk down the hall to try and find somebody. And then all of a sudden you hear a scream. You turn back. The mansion's now empty. So you wander around the house. And after going through a few rooms in the mansion, um, your sister, Anne, comes falling through a window in the ceiling. And she has... Um, a guy on top of her that has these giant gardening shears impaled through her stomach and they come crashing two floors through the ceiling and hit the floor. And you're now introduced to the man, the main antagonist in the game. His name is Bobby. He's the son of the, uh, mm-hmm. the owner of the mansion, but he's better known to people that know the, the franchise as the scissor man. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is, this is pretty horrifying. Yeah. This is horrible. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. And, and again, Famicom and everything. We never got this in North America. You can play it. You can play a port of it. Um, you can play emulation. Yeah. Um, so anyways, you, you're introduced to the scissor man. He, he rips the scissors out of Anne's stomach, looks at you, snip, 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 and then 
game is live again. You start running. <laughs> so the idea of the game is that you're trying to reveal the story, put together the pieces, find your sisters. If if you if you can even find them alive, dead, whatever, they're the story's revealed the more you investigate the house. It should also be said that the mansion is locked, obviously, so you can't leave. And the scissor man is hiding and going to pop out and get you. So um, you have to run and hide. Again, it's survival horror. So the better you learn the layout of the mansion, and it's pretty big for a Super Nintendo, Super Famicom game. You said it's point and click? Point and click. Okay. Mm. So, and another thing is, I kind of wish it came out with um, accessibility with the mouse, the Super Nintendo yeah. mouse. Was it, it was never ported no, to a system but that it, had a mouse? Never no, had a PC release? It was, no, no, it was always Super Famicom first, huh. never on PC first. So it was intended for the controller. But then I guess the more I played it, the more I realized, well, there's a lot more buttons to press. Even though the mouse might have been a little bit more fluid for, for the controls, there's only two buttons on the mouse. Yeah. And it's kind of nice not having a big clunky menu system. Everything is just the game on the screen. Mm. My favorite part about it is that your portrait of Jennifer is in the bottom left corner and it's just her face and her face is the current mood that she's in. There's a blue background behind her. So that's her when she's in her normal state. If Scissorman jumps out and scares her or tries to attack her, then her portrait will change. Her expression will change to more worried. And the background of the blue portrait behind her will either go to yellow, orange, or red being the worst. And the idea is the more into the red zone you go, the more frazzled she is, obviously. Uh, she'll trip when she's running. Like sanity she's, meter. It's, it's exactly like the sanity meter. She'll, um, she'll be easier to catch, harder to get away from. Um, if you're trying to climb over things and escape, she fumbles more. And um, so the idea is when you're hiding and once Scissorman gives up and leaves you alone or you get far enough away from him, the idea is that you're supposed to just stop pressing buttons. Jennifer will eventually kneel down on the ground and start resting. She'll start breathing again properly. You'll, over a period of about almost like a full minute, mm -hmm. you'll see the, the portrait start to slowly change back to blue and then she's she's safe again. Oh, that's you cool. Can regain the game. That's a cool so mechanic really, for a Super Famicom Oh, game. I love it. It really plays well into like the whole, you really do need to focus on hiding. Like yeah. You need to know where you're going, know where all your exit strategies are going to be. And like I said, the more you play through the game, the more you uncover the story, figure out who Scissor Man is and everybody in the mansion, what happened to your scissors. Or <laughs> your what scissors? happened to your scissors? <laughs> well, that guy's got him. That guy there. there. <laughs> You're stabbing <laughs> my sisters with him. <laughs> what happened to your sisters? Just totally killed the mood. Um, yeah, I really like the game. But um, Sounds very cool. It does sound really cool. So the theme I want to play... Um, very quiet ambient game. There's not a lot of music in the game. So when there is music, it really strikes the mood. So the name of the song that I want to play is Don't Cry Jennifer. It's a song that plays when the scissor man catches you and chases you. And this song doesn't stop playing until you escape or find a good place to hide or, you know, until he kills you. Let's take a listen. <laughs>
game? No. I well, have. Super Famicom, right? Yeah. Well, I've come across it at conventions, repros, but I have just the emulated version, mm. and I actually beat it last night for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got your scissors back. I got my <laughs> I saved all my sis- scissors. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. This sounds like a game that was like ahead of its time. Well, that's why like I've- and very adult, like very much a like a rated R horror film. Like, and I think that was kind of um, indicative of a lot of games that came out on the Famicom that were that either didn't get a release in North America or got way dumbed down for North America. Um, you know, in in North America, the NES was seen as a thing for kids. It was yep. a, it was a toy for kids. So a lot of the more adult, like creepy games, stayed in Japan. Just stayed yeah. in Japan. Well, and <laughs> and I I feel it's safe to say this was not the first to do survival horror because I can think of an example on the Famicom, but I think this definitely is one of the first to do a really good job of pioneering that genre. Now, mm-hmm. is the example you're thinking of the game Sweet Home? It is. Yeah, Capcom. I was just I was just looking at. Uh, is that your next game? Well, no, no, it's not. Okay. But I was I was just looking at this uh, article yep. that's called the NES game that inspired Resident Evil, and it's a whole article that I've had saved on my phone for years about Sweet Home and how much I've been saving it because I really want to play it. It I'm sounds awesome. Glad you're bringing it up because I wanted to talk about this game too, <laughs> and because I've never actually played it, I didn't feel it was right to pick a song from the game but it has some really good music Mm. and again it's one of those games that really like inspires you to stay alive because in sweet home if one of your members of your party dies you don't get them back Mm -hmm. so eventually it's permadeath yeah and you have a team of four i believe four uh, characters that can all be killed off what's that rp super popular rpg oh god oh you're thinking fire emblem fire emblem yep thank you but uh (laughs) Same thing. Same thing in Fire Emblem. Where this um, permadeath, even Fire though Emblem. in the latest edition of Fire Emblem, yeah, they, 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 they give you the ability to not. Well, you have can permadeath. play it on like easy mode, yeah. where you they don't have permadeath or real mode. I'm very conflicted by that because when I play real Fire Emblem and I'm playing it on hard mode, if yeah. anyone in my party dies, you I reset. immediately shut off, yep. reset, and play again. So I think to myself, why would I extend the game to a ridiculously long thing when I could just turn permadeath off? Yeah, but then I'm playing in easy mode and I feel ashamed. Yeah. Just play in hard mode and do it like you always do. <laughs> check out, uh, check out Sweet Home. Yeah, you can get a again. That's it was. It was not. Didn't have a North American release, did it? No, no, it didn't. But uh, but just like um, Clock Tower, both Sweet Home and Clock Tower, uh, sort of cult classics. There, you can if you're into reproduction cards, you can get both of them and play them on your Nintendo and Super Nintendo, or you can just get. Um, uh, emulation. Emulate you can just play them on emulation because they're all translated yeah, into fan English. translation yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah and I should I should note that the version of um, Clock Tower I played was a fan translated uh, port, and there was there was no errors or anything. It was very easy to understand. Nothing didn't make any sense. It all made sense. It was all great. Well, that's yeah, great. Cool. Now I have to play Sweet Home, and then I have to play. Um, and Clock we're, Tower we're giving Clock you a, just a huge list of games you have to play <laughs> for Halloween this year. Your whole October is going to be filled with. All sorts of creepy games. Uh, you know what? You get into it. There, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Well, I think every year I look into what games to play, and I get into one or two, and then I'm like, all right, next year I got to remember like these 20 other games. I <laughs> yeah, haven't played exactly. Yet. exactly. Well, even when you're talking about uh, Clock Tower, and you're talking about like hiding in the stealth, and like the whole, you know, when you see the guy and she gets all frazzled, and you have to hide, calm down. It reminded me of another horror game called Amnesia: The Dark Descent, which we may have, uh, I may have mentioned in previous ones too, which I really liked as a horror game. And in that one, Pant um, Weddingly. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> in that game, you like you have a lantern and you move from the light and you go in the dark and you use the dark to actually hide from these monsters. There's no way to attack anything. So you've got these like Pan's Labyrinth style horrible monsters chasing you. And all you can do is shut yourself in a cupboard and wait for it to pass and go away. But the longer you spend in the dark, the more almost insane your character yeah. kind of gets. Yeah. The screen starts to blur and go wobbly and your breathing gets heavy and you can't you can't stay in the dark too long. Otherwise, I think it's, it's game over. You go crazy. You go crazy. Or your GameCube memory card gets erased. Or your GameCube memory <laughs> card gets erased. And Amnesia did that really well uh, too. And I, I do recommend that as a Halloween game. Cool. All right. So Jordan, what have you been playing other than... Clock Tower. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I've been playing a lot of horror games. A lot of it was research for, you know, this month. But... Um, uh, unrelated to Halloween, um, I've recently had an influx of time and I've been playing a game called Hyper Light Drifter, um, a PC game, or at least I played it on Steam, but you can get it, uh, I believe you can get a copy on PS4 and Xbox One as well. Uh, a game that just came out this year by Heart Machine Studios. Now, Indie title? 
It's an indie title. Yeah. It was a Kickstarter. And mm. I had no idea this thing existed until it already came out. Um, it's very beautifully done pixel art, almost action RPG-ish kind of, uh, you know, Zelda action RPG kind of game. Um, I know the pixel art style's really been overdone. It's it can never be overdone. No, I, I, agree. I love it. Can never be overdone. I wanted to specify I love it. It doesn't bother me how much it's done, but this game does it really nicely, really differently. It reminds me of Fez, like the way that Fez was done, like um almost really bright. Blends the blends the line between like minimalist and realism. Kind of like if you can recall like the old Prince of Persia out of this world where it was like your character was very very blocky, like, but, but fluid, but so fluid. And yeah. like the minimalist almost added to the atmosphere and like the, the style of the yeah. game. It worked out so well. I love that. I think super brothers sword and sorcery did that really Exa well. Another oh, great yeah. example. So this game is that. Um, and as soon as I started playing it, I'm like, man, I love the music. And I'm like thinking, can I cover this in the podcast? <laughs> um, it reminded me of Fez. Again, I've talked about Disaster piece in our in our remix episode. I'm like, yep. it sounds like disaster so piece. How is it spooky or haunted? Well, <laughs> it's again, not. It's just what he's been the, playing. Oh, that's what you've been playing. Okay, but yeah, hold yeah, on. Does that's how he's I can tie the, I can tie this. Mine had ghost in the title at least. I can tie this into spooky. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this baby. Um, <laughs> so um, I had I had to stop. Just like just like when I'm watching a movie, I'm on IMDb the whole time playing this game. I jumped on Google. Turns out Disaster Piece did the soundtrack. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm already hooked on this thing. And now I find out that Disaster Piece is doing the music. Totally got into the game, loved it. Played through the whole thing and beat it. I'm not going to talk anymore about the game because um, I have some other neat points. I, I, I would recommend the game. I just out of curiosity went on YouTube and started Googling about the game because I was kind of interested in the process because I heard it was a Kickstarter and wanted to know more. Um, and you found out a whole bunch of kids like commit suicide after playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong game. Sorry, I'm hyper like drifter syndrome. Not <laughs> Lavender Town. <laughs> so the main character in the game, he seems to have what appears to be a heart condition. He clenches his chest and he like coughs up blood. And there's like these demons that like always like hover around him. There's like these like cutscenes that take you out of the game where you're in the middle of a level and then all of a sudden like the screen starts glitching, your character starts coughing up blood and he clenches his chest. And then all of a sudden the background changes and you're in this other world and there's like these monsters that are like there to kill you. And you just sort of like mash the buttons. I got to get out of here. And then you like, they kill you. And then you snap out of it and realize, no, I'm still in the game. I'm still going. And the whole time you're playing, you're like, what is this? There's like, there's a problem with this character. Like he's dying and and there's very crazy. there's very vague story details like you play the game and you're almost interpreting the story there's no explanation there's no actual dialogue anytime you talk to characters and they try to tell you the story they give you pictures thought bubbles with pictures and you invent the story they give you a good idea of the direction and you fill in the blanks so you interpret your own story but i think it's pretty clear what they're trying to say um, so anyways, going back to what I came across when I was Googling this, turns out the guy that created the game, uh, the creator of heart machine, he actually has a heart condition oh, and he believes that he's dying in real life. And he takes a lot of medication for his heart. I watched his interview and he's got like a counter full of pills and every day he's taking these pills and he's not sure if his day is coming or if maybe he has a little bit more time. So he was really passionate about creating this one big project. Maybe he'll make more projects, maybe not, but he's putting like all his eggs into this one basket. I want to make something that people will remember me by. I want to leave a legacy. So really fitting the name of his company, Heart Machine. And then obviously like the whole game started to make sense. I'm like, wow, like the main character in this game, like he's looking for a cure. He's trying to like battle to live. And it's like, wow, like it really started to like hit me like these emotions. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I had, played the whole, feels from this game. I had these feels. I was going like, to make a joke and now it feels inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I, I wish I kind of wish I knew that before playing the game. I found out after I had already beat the game and it was like, I, I liked the game a lot. But then when I heard this, I was like, wow, I kind of like it a bit more. It's like this another level to the game that I just really appreciated. Well, you realize you're playing like a guy's uh, like manifestation of his own 
situation. It's very personal, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but just real quick, I wanted to say that I've also been watching horror movies uh, for the last <laughs> couple of weeks, I gotta- and I, I just, I've kind of gone back to a few that I tried to give a chance to in the past. I started watching this movie called It Follows. And I'm not going to say like, you know, I think most people now, if you're into horror movies, you probably heard of It Follows. Um, Started watching it last year and I didn't really get into it. And I gave it another shot this year and started watching it. And as I was going through the movie, I was like, God damn, I had another light bulb go off. Um, The music in It Follows like struck me in a really weird way. I'm like, it's really like, it almost sounded like video game music. And so I jumped on, I jumped on Google again. I jumped on IMDb and I'm like, who did the music for It Follows? Disaster piece? It was Disaster piece. <laughs> I'm like, That's you know crazy. what? Okay, I, I'm, I got to talk about all of this in the podcast. <laughs> we so, got to get Disaster piece on this podcast. That is <laughs> supernatural. That's it's not even just a coincidence. Spooky. Yeah, but I won't go any more into the Disaster piece. Uh, play Hyperlight Drifter, great game. It follows, I would recommend as a horror movie for October. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's it. Very good. All right. So that's it for part three of episode nine of VGM Generations. Uh, remember, you can always tweet us at VGM Generations on Twitter and email us at the email address VGMGenerations at gmail.com. And now we're going to talk about the contest. So uh, like we mentioned in the other episodes, what you what the contest is for now is any game that we've mentioned that is available on Steam um, throughout the month. Um, we're, we're mentioning a bunch of different games. So right now the list is Costume Quest, Monkey Island Special Edition, AVGN Adventure, uh, Ghost of a Tale, and now Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. So uh, any one of those five games, you can pick one uh, if you win, and uh, we will buy it for you on Steam and give it to you. And the way you enter the contest is just to hop on Twitter and retweet uh, one of the tweets I put out uh, when I put out the podcast every Monday on the service you listen to. So there'll be one for SoundCloud, one for iTunes, one for Google Play. Uh, you just hit retweet and that's your entry into the contest. And for an extra entry, uh, leave us a review on Twitter, which really helps us, or sorry, a review on iTunes, uh, which really helps us out or a comment on SoundCloud, which is also good. And let just, you know, let us know what you think. Um, yeah. So that is it for part three of episode nine and we will catch you in part four. 